All right, welcome back to another edition of Baseball Banter. I'm your host, Justin Ginelli, on this Wednesday, June the 1st, 2022. Uh, if you're a New York Mets fan, today is a very, very special date in team history. Um, we are going to spend the majority of our show today um, talking about that and, you know, just kind of reliving what we were doing 10 years ago today. Um, but to, to, but to start, I want to go around Major League Baseball. You know, get some news and notes, including the Phillies, who have been absolutely dreadful of late. Um, they're sitting eight games under five hundred. Um, I think I think twelve and a half games out now. Thirteen, even though they're currently still in action against the Giants. They're currently sitting thirteen games out in the National League East. They lose Gene Segura to a broken finger. Uh, for the next 10 to 12 weeks. So that's going to effectively put him out until um, early September. And not good for a team that's uh, very bad defensively. And, you know, one of their decently uh, solid defenders is going to be out. So, you know, big loss. And, he, you know, he's been pretty good, too, offensively. He's had some pretty solid numbers at the plate this year. So big loss for the Phillies. You know, they're already dealing with that Bryce Harper situation where he's got the uh, tear in the UCL. Can't play in the outfield because he cannot throw. So he's been stuck at DH. And that leaves you with Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber in the outfield. And that's less than optimal because neither, you know, are, you know, great defensive outfielders. So the Phillies are in trouble. You know, we know there's been lots of speculation about whether or not the Phillies are going to fire Joe Girardi. Um, I think it's got to be coming at some point, and you know you got to figure, you got to figure that, you know they're going to make a change, and I, I wouldn't even be shocked to say that they go for wholesale changes in the off season, and they fire Dave Dombrowski. Sure, they've spent a lot of money, but they've really spent it in the wrong areas. I mean, they basically have five DHs on their roster. I mean, Alec Bohm's not really a great third baseman. Reese Hoskins is not a great first baseman. You know, they're, they're good power hitters, and, you know, so are Schwarber and Castellanos, and they can hit home runs with the best of them. But, you know, they also aren't great defensively. And, you know, pitching and defense, you know, you know offense can win you regular season games. Pitching and defense wins you championships. And the Phillies, besides... And even Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler have been inconsistent. But besides those two, you know, you really have gotten nothing out of your pitching. Your bullpen's been dreadful. You know, coming into today, the uh, Phillies have lost three straight games in extra innings. And two of them were blown saves by Corey Knable, including Sunday night when he gave up uh, a tying home run to Nick Plummer. Uh, and it was his first career home run. And the Mets won it in extras on an Eduardo Escobar uh, walk-off double. And, you know, the Phillies have really spiraled. They Canable uh, blew the game again on Memorial Day. And, you know, and then they lose last night in extra innings. So, you know, the Phillies have just been an all-around mess. And, you know, when the Mets are playing, when the Mets are playing as well as they are, um, it, it's making it very hard for the Philadelphia Phillies to catch up any ground. I mean, even despite the win today, the Atlanta Braves in second place at 24 and 27 
are 10 and a half out. And you could say, okay, maybe the Mets are getting by because the division is easy. But the Mets are also playing great baseball. And if you remember at this time last year, they were in first place. But they were never this high. Their, their high watermark last year officially was, 35 and, was 36 and 25, 11 games over. However, because of a suspended game, um, you know, from like er, from early June that was made up in in, in uh, late August, the Mets never really in real time reached eleven over. They only reached ten over, and they never had a division lead this large. Um, I know the Braves were as far as eight and a half back last year, but they weren't they weren't in second place at the time. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think they really ever had more than a five-game lead. They were they were truly treading water last year. Right now, the Mets are steamrolling the competition. They just finished off a 6-0 homestand in which they swept the Philadelphia Phillies and the Washington Nationals. And they did it in, at an important time when you have a big 10-game West Coast road trip coming up with the Dodgers, Padres, and Angels. But I want to take it a step further because... Um, you know, those teams now have to look at their schedule and say, oh, crap, we have to play the Mets. You know, and playing the Mets right now is no picnic. So, you know, we'll see what the Mets are made of. We'll see who, you know, we're, we're going to see real quick because the first series, again, starting tomorrow night, Mets-Dodgers, you know, 10, 10 p.m. You know, you get ready for late night and, you know, watch the two best teams in the National League. Now, for whatever weird, weird reason, the... Uh, Dodgers are struggling with the Pirates, and they're they're one in four this season. They already played a series in Pittsburgh in which they lost two out of three, and the Pirates have won the first two games of this series at Dodger Stadium. So curious to see what what's going on with the Dodgers. Um, you know, Mookie Betts had a, had a May to remember, you know, with eleven home runs. Um, so did guys like Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a heavyweight battle at Chavez Ravine tomorrow night. And, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be recapping that on Sunday, you know, after uh, after that game ends. So that's kind of what we're looking at in the National League. In the American League, I mean, what well, you know, one of the things we've seen is, you know, a team like the Angels um, starting to fall off a little bit. They lo- they've lost six in a row, um, including last night getting blown out by the Yankees. And the Yankees right now are the best team in baseball, 34-15, a 694 winning percentage, which is the best in baseball. They only ha- they are only one win shy of the Mets, which is for the most in most in the league. But the Yankees obviously have less losses. Um, you know, Houston's played terrific baseball, and they're starting to build their separation. And the surprise in the AL Central, with uh, the White Sox really not getting their legs underneath them. And the Minnesota Twins currently sitting at 30-21. and 21. It, it, The Minnesota Twins almost feel like last year's Mets, if you will. Like, they're playing decent baseball. Now, their run differential is much higher than what the Mets were. The Mets were never more than, like, a plus 10 last year. And that's exactly what concerned you with the team last year. This year, the Mets are a plus 77. And... You know they're, they're, they've scored 271 runs, which is the um, most in baseball, I believe. Yeah, I mean, unless the Dodgers score runs, unless the Dodgers, if the Dodgers get shut out, 
the Mets will wake up tomorrow as the highest scoring team in Major League Baseball. I mean, and that's what this homestand has really done. Now, today the offense was, you know, not particularly great, but still, you know, pretty good. Um, scored five runs too, too late in the eighth inning um, to, to win 5 nothing over the Nationals. But, you know, it's basically night and day from what you saw last year to this year. And, that, and that's why, you know, Mets, Mets fans um, should feel really, really confident. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's kind of a look around baseball. Another thing I'm watching for is what's going to be shaping up a summer, uh, between, because this is really a May in review as well. And, and, you know, speaking of having a great May, how about Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado? You know, Nolan, you know, had a hot April, kind of cooled off a little bit in May, but Paul Goldschmidt with a 23 game hitting streak that he extended to today, I believe it's 36 in a row in which he's reached base. So, I mean, Paul Goldschmidt is driving and runs like crazy. You know, certainly having an MVP-type start to the season. Uh, the Cardinals won their third in a row today. They are 29-21, which is two and a half games behind the Milwaukee Brewers. And, you know, that's going to be a fun summer and a, and a fun battle between those two teams in the National League Central. So... That's kind of a that's kind of a look around baseball, and kind of what's going on, and we need to and I want to talk about what happened ten years ago today, and ten years ago today, June first, two thousand twelve, Johan Santana pitches the first no hitter in New York Mets history. You know after one you know eight thousand and twenty games as a franchise the Mets finally throw their first no-hitter and you know it was cool hearing Terry Collins uh, Johan Santana uh, Josh Tolley you know guy, guys who were a part of that 2012 no-hitter uh, you know and really recount and relive the day again and you know just give you know give a reflection of what was a very, very special night in Queens. And, you know, and it was in front of 27,069, two hours and 39 minutes, I'm sorry, two hours and 35 minutes. The Mets were 28 and 23 entering the game. The Cardinals were 27 and 24. And here were the starters from that night before we start getting into some of my, my recollection and my memories of that. So for the Cardinals that night, it was Rafael for call at short, leading off. Carlos Beltran, the center fielder, batted second. You know, he just traded, you know, just traded from the Mets like, the year prior uh, when he went to the Giants and spent the rest of the season in San Francisco. Uh, Matt Holliday was third, playing left field. Alan Craig, the right fielder, was fourth. Uh, David Freeze, the third baseman, was fifth. Yadier Molina, the catcher was sixth. Matt Adams at first base, seventh. Tyler Green, the second baseman, eighth. And Adam Wainwright got the start that night. Adam Wainwright. Two, so two Cardinals still on the roster from that night. Incredible. For the Mets, it was Mike Baxter leading off in left. Kirk Neuenheis started the game in center with David Wright batting third in his usual third base. Lucas Duda, who was in right field, actually, 
batting fourth. Daniel Murphy at second base batted fifth. Ike Davis, this, the first baseman, batted sixth. The aforementioned Josh Tolley was behind the plate batting seventh. Omar Quintanilla, the shortstop, batted eighth. And Johan was the pitcher batting ninth. And, and so those were the guys. Sam Freeman and Michael Clito came in in relief. Uh, they pitched. They pitched that night as well for the Cardinals, and obviously Johan Santana, 134 pitches later, throws the first no hitter in Mets history. And you know, to give my perspective of it, you know, 2012. Here I am as a 19 year old Met fan, and just just about ready to turn 20 because uh, my birthday is in a couple of weeks. So I was about to turn 20 years old, and it was it was a nut, an off night from work. Um, you know, it was also an off night in between the Stanley Cup Finals, and I just remember, you know, being locked in from you know opening pitch. I'm always locked in from first pitch to the end of the game, and you know. Johan didn't have great, you know, Johan didn't have great command that night. I mean, he did walk five hitters. Um, he did walk five hitters that night. And, you know, that, that tells you a lot about whether or not a pitcher has control. And, you know, there's a reason why he threw 130, 134 pitches. You know, he only threw 77 strikes, you know, which is not a very good percentage um, of strikes that night. And, you know... To be able to persevere, and here's a guy coming off major shoulder surgery, you know, a guy who's ha- who had his share of injuries uh, in his time with the Mets. But you know, one thing you can never take away from Johan was the the fierce competitor in him. I mean, starting on three days rest, um, you know, in 2008 when he was dealing with a torn meniscus. You know, just things like that endeared himself to the franchise. And, you know, for me, he was a fan. He's a fan favorite forever. And, you know, and I went today. I went to the city field today to watch the Mets beat the Nationals 5 nothing. And on the 10-year anniversary, I went wearing my Johan Santana jersey. And I'm very, you know, I will always be proud to walk the city field. To walk the city field concourse with a Johan Santana jersey. You know, I have other jerseys as well. I got Piazza de Grom, you know, Keith Hernandez. You know, I got some good Met jerseys, but def- and then I'm always proud to wear. But there's always a sense of pride with Johan Santana being the first Met to throw a no-hitter. You know, and hopefully, you know, and the Mets, you know, 10 years later, you know, threw a no-hitter themselves um, on April 30th. Um, against, oh my God, who, who did they no hit this year? I'm forgetting. Well, it was a, I think, oh, the Phillies. I'm the Phillies. I don't know why my brain, my brain farted for a second. But that was a five pitcher no hitter. That was start, that was started by Tyler McGill. But back to that night, you know, always watching Met games in, my, you know, in my room, just you know, relaxing and, you know. Just, listening to Gary Keith and Ron there's just not there's nothing better and I remember just you know casually watching the game as the Mets were you know the Mets got a couple 
Mets didn't score early. It was, you know, it was no score through three. And then, you know, they, they, they scored some runs in the fourth. But, you know, at that point, you're not really thinking much of it. And, you know, and it's not really until the sixth inning where, where you realize. And that's about when I realized what was going on in terms of the no-hitter. Because, you know, I really was, you know, I know that SNY shows the, the run hits errors. You know, the line score when, you know, when they come back from break and start the inning. But, you know, I wasn't really... I really wasn't like processing the fact that you know through five of the Cardinals hadn't had any hits until the top of the sixth, and it's like, wait a minute, the Cardinals don't have any hits, and at that point I'm like, all right, still early, um, you know, don't think anything of it yet, but then the sixth happens, the seventh happens, the eighth happens, you know, and then then it's like, oh my god. Is is Johan about to throw the no hitter? And you know it was just an inc- an incredible an incredible you know moment. You know, and you know, obviously there was a controversial moment in the top of the sixth inning, and I'm you know I can't deny it. You know, I, I I can't deny that there is some controversy, and that that does bum me out to a degree, because you know you you want this to be an undisputed no hitter, right? Um, but Carlos Beltran leading off the sixth inning hits a ball down the left field line that was ruled foul, and you know nobody's really thinking about it at the time. Um, but, you know, at the same time, they show the replay and, you know, you know, your replay review was not instituted yet in Major League Baseball. But at the same time, you know, you look at it on the SNY replay and it's like, wait a minute, was that a fair ball? And... You know, on glance, it looks like it could have been a fair ball, but it's it's a tough. And even though replay review was not instituted yet, the play happened in front of the umpire, and the rule about fair or foul down the line is if it's in front of the umpire, it's the umpire's judgment call. If it's behind the umpire and like in the outfield, then it is you know it could be up for review, and. You know, it's a ve- it's a very close play. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and ignore that that happened. You know, but at the same time, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, we're not going back and you know recognizing Armando Galarraga's uh, imperfect game as a perfect game just because Jim Joyce missed the call. I mean, missed calls are a part of the human element of sport. And the fact that Adrian Johnson, the third base umpire, ruled it foul when it look, looks like it could have been fair, um, it's tough. I mean, that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles, if you will. So, but I mean, so as that night goes on, you know, and, you, and, at that, and then that night, you're not thinking about the controversy, you know. Obviously, 
as the days and weeks kind of went by and you saw the replays and you saw social media go, go be a buzz about it. Um, you know, that's, that's when it kind of gotten, when the points got, the point of that got hammered home a little bit and, you know, but you know, as that game's going on and I'm just like, is this going to happen? And sure enough, you know, sure enough, it does. And, you know, Johan Santana striking out uh, David Freeze, I believe it was, for the final out. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get any better than that. It, it, it's just some of the be- some of the great excite- some of the greatest excitement that you know I think you'll ever I think you'll ever see. And you know, throwing a no hitter is still special. It is. You know, we've seen two no hitters in baseball this year. Um, obviously, one being that combined no hitter of the Mets, and then Reed Detmers throwing a hit, uh, throwing his no hitter for for the LA Angels, and it's still a special moment. I mean, you think back to last year in April when Joe Musgrove throws the no hitter for the San Diego Padres, you know, and they were the last team who didn't have a no hitter. You know, the Mets and the Padres were synonymous for years about not having no hitters. And then in 2012, it, it finally came in their, you know, their 50th season. I'm sorry, their 50th year. Um, you know, it finally happened. And, you know, for the Padres, last it happened, finally happened for them last year. So, I mean, it's just still an incredible moment. And I'll just never... I'll never forget the excitement. I mean, I had a, I had quite a couple of weeks uh, emotionally from a sports standpoint from the Devils eliminating the New York Rangers uh, in overtime to win the Eastern Conference Final to, you know, like I said at the beginning, you know, this, this game happened in between an off day during the Stanley Cup Finals with the LA Kings in a finals in which they lost. Um... You know, so I mean, think about the roller coaster of emotion over the over those couple of weeks, and you know, it's it's like the it's like the no hitter was the pinnacle, you know. And I and I've been to plenty of baseball games in my lifetime. I have not seen a no hitter live, and you know, one day maybe I will. One day maybe it'll be Jacob Degrom throwing that no hitter for the Mets. You know, one day maybe it's Max Scherzer in the next couple of years throwing a no-hitter for the Mets. Maybe it's someone that's not even on the roster. But maybe I'll, I'll one day get a chance to be in person for a no-hitter. And I think the farthest I've ever gone, I think it was last year, Taiwan Walker took, it, took one into the sixth. I think that's about as far as I've ever gone with the pitcher um, flirting with a no-hitter. You know, and at that point, you're not even like, you know, once you have recorded, to me, once you've recorded 18 outs, and once you've started to enter the seventh inning, I think that's when you start to think about it a little bit, because that's, you know, if you're getting everybody one, two, three, that's your last time through the order. Um, it's the last time that, you know, certain hitters are going to get their chance to break it up. 
So, I mean, that's really um, when you start thinking about it. But, you know, I just, that joy is something that you really can't replicate. And, you know, I'm really proud to have been able to watch it from start to finish. You know, not ev- you know, not everybody, you know, really thought much of it until late in the game and just weren't, you know, fully locked into the game like I was. And, you know, that's okay. I mean, you know, it, it I do I will admit, even though I am a hardcore and I do, you know, sit down every night and watch the Mets, I I get it. it it's a long season. It is hard to sit down for 162 games. And and this is a random Tuesday night in June. You know, it was a Tuesday night that that year. It was a random Tuesday night in June. It's you know not, you know not not an easy not an easy game to just sit down and watch until you realize something special is going on. But you know, and I wanted to get some comments from Met fans, and I did get one. Um, he is a part of our. He is a part of the Sportswire radio group that I am with every Friday night. Thanks to the great Tom Bryce, um, he is on. Our, our Friday night show, you know, every, you know, most most often, and uh, his name is Billy McInerney. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at WMCINE. Um, who was a fellow Met fan as well. Uh, Billy commented and said that he was at home, uh, but he wasn't even watching until his mom came in and told him that Santana had it going on in the seventh inning. And he said at that time he was in about the seventh, seventh or eighth grade. So, um, you know, you know, a lot of us, you know, we're we're younger. I mean, obviously, I, ju- I just finished up my, my twenty twelve. That was my second year of college. Um. So I, so I just finished off my sophomore year, and, you know. I was definitely as hardcore as it gets into sports at that time. So, I mean, so Billy, thank you for the comments. Uh, appreciate it. You know, the, you know, it's great. It is great to hear from Met fans and, you know, get a perspective of, you know, where they were on this night because, again, it's, you know, one of those moments, you know, we're going to be looking back. You know, it's it's like for the older generation, you know, where were you? When Mookie hit that little roller along first base, the ball that got by Bill Buckner. And, um, you know, it, it's one of the things you talk about with your friends and family uh, for the rest of your life. And, you know, hopefully one day soon, uh, the Mets win another World Series. And, you know, people of our generation will, you know, know exactly where they were when the Mets win that World Series and, you know, you can, you can recite everything because it, it's that special of a moment. So I think that it's important to recognize some of these milestones and, you know, and everything that comes with them because, you know, it's just... I mean, and you can't, you can't even imagine what the pitcher is going through because... You know, he's not really thinking about, you know, they'll say they're not thinking about it, but you know deep down in their mind, you know, they are thinking about the no-hitter. And obviously, 
manager Terry Collins, you know, talks about, you know, what he was going through because the pitch limit that night was supposed to be 110 for Johan. And obviously he ends up blowing past it and, you know, getting to 134. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place because you know that Johan's not going to want to come out of the game. And he's said to this day, there was no chance he, he's coming out of the game. And he was ever coming out of the game. And, you know, you know they kept checking with him you know, inning after inning, you know, as to whether or not, um, you know, whether or not Johan was still feeling good, you know, because he did have the command issues. He did, um, you know, he, you know, he he was racking up a high pitch count. So you know Terry Terry Collins did have to have to manage that, and you know it's probably you know he said he's he's lost sleep at night because of you know how things ha- how things turned out for Johan in the subsequent um, weeks, and you know it's but you know what Johan says he's got no regrets. He wouldn't change a thing. He, and he doesn't believe it. It's, it's what ended his career. I mean, we'll never really know that. But, you know, I, I just think that now Johan has a piece of history. And, you know, he'll forever be the trivia question when it's asked who threw the first no-hitter in Mets history. You know, he's forever the, the main trivia question. And so to celebrate that 10 years later... Um, it's, it's, it's one thing, it's amazing because it's, it's been 10 years, but, um, two, it's just a day that, that it just really lives in Mets fans' hearts. And and it's just so special to us as Mets fans. You know, I mean, think about it. The Yankees have plenty of no hitters. They've had plenty of perfect games. Um, you know, obviously they got the, one of the most famous perfect games of all time. Uh, the Don Larson perfect game of the 56 World Series. Obviously, their last no-hitter came last year um, when Corey Kluber threw a no-hitter. Um, but was, other than that, they, they, they've, they had a little bit of a drought themselves. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think. I thought that, I think their last no-hitter was the, David, was the David Cohn perfect game in 1999. Could be wrong about that, but, um, but at the same time, you know, it, it's just an incredibly special moment. And I think if you're a baseball fan, it's, it's always special. You know, anytime I get, you know, anytime I get an alert that, you know, that somebody from another team's throwing a no-hitter, you know, I'm more than interested. But, you know, being it, be, you know, being it, you know, from my team, you know, it's something that I knew I was going to be locked into um, from first pitch. Now, when the combined no-hitter happened a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of, about a month ago, I wasn't locked in from first pitch just because I didn't get home from work until um, about 7.45. So I did miss the first couple of innings. But, you know, once I get home, TV goes on, SNY goes on, or picks if it's a random picks game. But that night it was on SNY. You know, and, and, I, was, and I was locked in ever since. And to be honest, uh, that night I wasn't even thinking much of it either until the seventh inning. I was like, because, because also I knew because because Tyler McGill had come out of the game, 
after the fifth inning. So they were already into the bullpen, and you know, and then I, you know, then I, then I casually look up at the line score, and I'm like, the Phillies don't have any hits, you know. And then it turns out that Edwin Diaz finished off a no hitter, and you know, it, it's amazing that it, that almost ten, almost you're, you're about a month away from the exact ten year anniversary. And the and the Mets threw the Mets threw a no hitter, so I thought it was pretty cool for uh, for a moment like that. So I mean, that's just really you know my thoughts on the no hitter. Um, you know, Johan, like I said, Johan and Terry Collins and them met the media uh, yesterday because yesterday they really they really celebrated it because. Um, you know, with the day game today, be, and the Mets, you know, having to travel out to to California, you know, they really, um, they you know, they really did a celebration last night, and then he was on SNY um, last night with Steve Gelbs, and just listening to him recount it again is just utter utter amazing. Um, you know, I just. I'm still at a loss for words. Ten years, uh, ten years later. Now, if you haven't yet, uh, I encourage you to go to MLB.com and, and pull up, or even go to Mets.com. And it's still on the SNY Twitter page. Um, and, and you go to Anthony DeComo's Twitter at uh, Anthony DeComo, and he gives you an oral history of the no hitter. Uh, you know, from from. The, the main people themselves, um, you know, whether it's Gary Cohen, uh, Howie Rose, who were the two Mets' main play-by-play uh, voices, you know, the catcher, Josh Tolley, you know, David Wright, um, Sandy Alderson, who was the general manager at the time, obviously still in the organization now, um, Jeremy Hefner, who's the current pitching coach and, a, and a, was a teammate of Johan that year. But you know they kind of give, they kind of give you a look back into what you know into what was what you know what what they were thinking that night. You know, and here here's a cool here's some cool things. Gary Cohen, you know, said he had had a major operation on his shoulder. I don't think anybody even knew that he was definitely going to be able to come back, much less at that level. I certainly don't think he was that he was the pitcher in New York that he was in Minnesota, but there were moments uh that he displayed a majesty you just had to admire and then that's just kind of that's kind of exactly how a lot of us as Met fans feel about johan santana you know it it's it's unfortunate that he didn't quite you know reach the level that he was when he was a twin but he gave you some of those magic moments and, you know, he just really, you knew his compete level was always going to be number one. So, you know, it was certainly, you know, I certainly encourage you to read that. Um, I, I read it yesterday, or I'm sorry, earlier today when it was posted and just it's 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 stuff that makes you that really makes you smile that's for sure so
you know, that's to those those are my thoughts on you know the Johan no hitter. Um, I want to thank uh, Billy McInerney again for commenting on my Twitter post about the no hitter and you know giving his recount of that day. And by the way, I still wonder if they ever found that. I still wonder where that uh, dude is who wore, was wearing the Gary Carter jersey that snuck onto the field and jumped into the celebration before he was taken down by security. So, um, but, you know, at the same time, um, you know, we're going to look at one more thing, you know, a little more stuff around the league. But, you know, for Mets fans, it, it's certainly a, it's certainly a, it's a special day. That's for sure. Um, um, one final note. Uh, it looks like uh, the Robinson Cano and the San Diego Padres are going to be parting ways. Um, things obviously didn't go so well after you know being released by the Mets and signing with the Padres. Um, in 12 games, he slashed 091 with a 118 on base and an 091 slugging. Uh, he's drawn one walk compared to 10 strikeouts. You know, he was only hitting 195 with the Mets. So, it looks like his career is all, is pretty much all but over. You know, and the the, 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 two, failed, the two failed steroid uh, tests, you know, really, really uh, ruined his career. So, so, let's go around the league real quick. Uh, earlier today, the Mets defeated the Nationals 5-0. Um... Carlos Carrasco picked up the win. Evan Lee in his major league debut takes the loss. Also have some other finals. The Marlins in game one thrashed the Rockies 14-1. Cardinals defeated the Padres 5-2. The Guardians defeated the Royals 4-0. Um, the Astros defeated the A's 5-4. The Braves shut out the D-backs 6-0. The Phillies hung on to beat... The Giants six to five, and the Tigers behind um, Scoop Ball win five to nothing, and the Yankees and Angels were postponed. Currently going on, we have Game Two of a doubleheader between the Marlins and Rockies. It currently is eleven eleven, a true course Field game. Orioles and Mariners. Orioles lead nine to two in the bottom half of the seventh inning. Blue Jays leading 5-3 in the 7th with Danny Jansen at the plate and a man on and two outs. Red Sox lead the Reds 7-1. That game is top of the ninth. Rangers are leading the Rays in the 6th inning 2-0. Brewers and Cubs are tied at 3. That's in the 6th. And the Dodgers and Pirates. Pirates are leading the Dodgers 3-2. Dodgers threatening with Trey Turner at the plate. In the bottom of the fifth. So that's going to do it for this edition of Baseball Banter. We'll talk to you next time. We'll talk to you at the end of the weekend. And recap some of the big series going on during the week. So we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night.